0: they go. Kayla and I have this thing every week where after I'm done with the sermon and I get that all done and and I always go, well, I think this week's about 20 minutes. We can do it. And, and Kayla's like, I don't think so. You always say that every week and end up going for 20 minutes. So today, hopefully, 20 minutes. That's my goal. And if of course, it'll take me 20 minutes to get probably through the first page. So uh, we'll see how fast that goes out the window. But last week we uh, we talked about um, passion killers, things that, that just kill our passion for the church, for for the Lord, things of uh, you know things that are important to us. Um, and these passion killers can affect all parts of our lives. It doesn't just have to be with the church. It could be things within your family, at work, whatever. We talked about how um, overloaded schedules, that can make it real difficult to, to keep your passion. Um, I have a bad habit of trying to burn the candle at both ends. Of course, you, you're you twice as bright, but you flame out twice as fast too, so, and that gets a little crazy. Um, just having an overloaded schedule, that can can keep us from really finding that passion. We fall into a routine. We talked about unconfessed sin in our lives and how that can affect us and, and, and keep us from fellowship with God. And uh, What was true with Adam and Eve is the same with us. Uh, as we fall into sin, we, we naturally want to hide from God and, and we don't want him to see what we're doing. And, but God knows what's going on. You can't hide from him. But it, it, it breaks that fellowship, and it robs the passion that God had intended <clears throat> that you have with with him, that passion for God and the things of God. And we talked about how the, the worries of this life can rob your passion. Uh, for many people, their lives are just putting food on the table and trying to, you know, to maintain and just worried, and, and things of this life can get involved, and can rob us sometimes of the joy that we have. And I want to start with a, uh, a story from the Bible. And there was a, once a great prophet, and I'm sure most of you who have read the Bible remember him, by the name of Elijah. And Elijah was a man who, uh, where we're going to pick up in this story, he wanted to die Oh, there's a guy with no passion, right there. You know, I've I've, I've had it. I'm done. Stick a fork in me. He asked God to take his life because he had come to a conclusion in his own heart that I'm a failure. I've blown it. Shoot me now. You know, it's like uh, one of my favorite uh, Looney Tunes cartoons. See you, kids out there. You missed out on Bugs Bunny and those guys. I mean, it's all SpongeBob these days and Spongebob is the modern-day Bugs Bunny, I'm, I'm convinced. But anyways, uh, one of the, my favorite Chuck Jones shorts was the one where Elmer Fudd is hunting, and Bugs and Daffy are trying to convince him to, you know, why don't you go shoot something else? And Bugs always gets him to shoot Daffy, and Daffy's like, ah, shoot me now, shoot me now. And by the time it's done, that's, that's me half the time. Just shoot me now. Elijah's like this, ah, just shoot me now, shoot me now. He asked God to take his life. He'd come to the conclusion that he was a failure. Now, this doesn't sound like a failure. Elijah had just been victorious in this showdown with 450 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. You might remember the the scene. He went to the altar, called, you know, yeah, you guys call upon Baal. Let's see what he can do. And they're dancing around. They can't get anything done. And finally, fire comes down and blows up the altar and consumes everything, including the prophets. And that would be a great victory. I still. I'm getting off track. Here we go 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Uh, but one of my favorite uh, church camp adventures was, was when they went to recreate the prophets of Baal. And they we made these papier-mâché bulls and put it on the altar. It was like a fire ring. And uh, they'd run a string up into a tree and a, like a, one of them flares you put down on the the ground when your, your you know your car goes out or whatever. And they'd put stuff in there to make the fire go up, like kerosene or something. And well, somebody didn't know any better and they poured gasoline on it. And so here are all these little kids around the fire and. Here's a fire, and the fire comes down, and boom, and the bulls shoot 30 feet in the air, and blue flames jets out in all directions, little kids running around. And, and this one little kid, this is awesome! You know, I love church camp. Anyways, God had sent fire down from heaven to consume Elijah's sacrifice. And in addition, the prophet had predicted a, a terrible famine. And then the Lord had not sent rain for three years. After that time, Elijah prays for rain. And what does God do? Produces this downpour, torrential downpour. God was working mightily through Elijah. But that made him a very unpopular person with the wicked king and queen of Israel by the name of Ahab and Jezebel. Yeah. Oh my. Turn to first Kings chapter nineteen. Well (laughs) Vicky's like "Eh, That's all right. Neil always tries to get me. She always like tries to call my phone in the middle of the message hoping it'll go off and so far I've been lucky to always remember to but she's gonna get me one of these days. Anyways, 1 Kings chapter 19, let me start here. Now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and even more if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. They went out and killed all the prophets with only Elijah left. They killed him with the sword. This is the days before firearms. Any battle, any conflict like that was that's up close and personal. That's a nasty way to to go. Very violent. And here the uh, the queen sends a, a message to Elijah and says, "Look, buddy, you, you know may the gods do to me even more if." If I don't have you killed like that by tomorrow. You're a goner. We're sick of you. We killed the other prophets. We're going to get you. Verse 3. And he, Elijah, was afraid and arose and ran for his life. And came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, That was a separate kingdom at that time. And left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die. And said, it it is enough. Now, O Lord, take my life. For I'm not better than my fathers. They're all gone. He lay down and slept under the juniper tree, and behold, there was an angel touching him, and he said to him, Arise, eat. Then he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came upon a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. You can imagine Elijah. (laughs) Take me now, God. I've done all these things for you, Lord. We had the showdown on the mountain. uh, The the famine came, and I prayed, and you, you brought the rain, and what's the... What's the reward for me? All my friends, all the other prophets, they're dead. And now the queen's promising that I'm going to die. Is this what was required of me? Just take me now. You know, when Elijah heard that threat, he fled for his life. He, um, According to some of my study, he traveled about 100 miles from Jezreel down to Beersheba. That's outside of where Israel was. That's a long travel, 100 miles. They don't have cars, i have motorcycles. I don't even have bicycles. That's a long run. Maybe he got a donkey or a horse and took off on it, but the point is, that was a long ways. And he was worn out. Now, it's interesting, considering all the powerful works the Lord had just performed through Elijah, it's hard to understand why the prophet... Didn't stay and face Jezebel, trusting God to protect her. Oh, you're going to, you're going to try to kill me. Well, I walk with the Lord. Let's bring it. Let me show you what happened up on the mountain. We'll call down fire. We'll torch the whole palace here, you and everybody else. But instead, he runs. He's fed up. He ran into the wilderness. He requested to die. That's quite an experience. But a lot of times, people look at us and say the same thing. I thought you were a believer. How can you be so disappointed? How how can you be so down? Don't you believe in God? Isn't isn't God going to do something mighty for you? You guys sing about it in your songs all the time. God will make a way. He'll do all these things. Why are you so bummed out? Where'd the passion go? It's no different than Elijah. Here's a man who had remained faithful in proclaiming God's message, yet the only result, as far as he could see, was a threat on his life. In fact, he believed he was the only faithful person left. It's, it's Forget it. Humans are horrible. We're, we're done for. One of my best friends kind of has that attitude about people. They're all bad. We're all wretched, and we're all doomed, and he's into science fiction stuff, and he's convinced uh, artificial intelligence will replace us, and all this, I'm just like, man, I don't know what you're talking about, but that's not a very reassuring uh, vision of the future, Like many other great leaders, Elijah requested he be allowed to die rather than go on as he had been. Think about it, Moses. When his burden seemed too great to carry, Moses had also asked God to take his life. It's in Numbers. Likewise, Jonah preferred to die rather than watch the Ninevites repent and be spared by God. Just take me now. Jeremiah cursed the day of his birth. Job cursed the day of his birth. These are the heroes of the Bible who had gotten to a point where they had had it. Shoot me now. You know, all of us at one time or another in our lives, and maybe some of you young folks haven't been there yet, but trust me, your day's coming. Where you're going to experience some times that are going to make you question your faith where you're going to question humanity. You're going to question the purpose, the meaning of it all. What what is all this stuff? A divorce, a death of a friend, death of a loved one, a debilitating uh, illness, That, that poor little Barrett kid. Where's your loving God? A surgery, an accident from which you'll never fully recover. There are times and places in our life when we'll ask ourselves, will I ever be normal again? Will my life ever be the same? It's times like that, like Ezekiel. When Ezekiel cried out to God, when we're faced with devastation, we say to ourselves, Only you, Lord, know. We're going to talk about here an interesting vision that a man by the name of Ezekiel had. We sing about it in songs a lot, but it's been a long time since I've heard anybody talk about the dry bones. If you have your Bibles, open up to Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel is a, a prophet. He's one of the big books of the Old Testament. If you're new to the Bible, just start go past Psalms, keep going, you'll start to see some big books. Long chapters, long books. Well, one of those is Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 37, now, like Elijah, Ezekiel was a man who he had visions, he he knew God. And this uh, this passage is fairly well known to you know, people who've grown up in the church. If you're a new Christian, you may not have ever heard this story. You know, we sing about you know the dry bones come alive, and people are like, oh, "Dry bones? What are you talking about? Is that like a medical condition or something?" You know, I got dry bones. <laughs> you know, what is it? It's like my nephew. He uh, he didn't know what diabetes was. He had it mixed up. So every time he would eat drink pop, he'd go, oh, this makes my diabetes hurt, and he'd drink it. And... <laughs> Anyways, here's uh, Ezekiel chapter 37. And uh, if you don't have your Bible, just kind of close your eyes and listen to me as we as we go along here. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. Now, what this probably was was a, a place where a, a great battle had occurred uh, a war had been fought here and again, this is a you know a time period when battles were fought hand to hand with stabbing weapons with clubs so this was a battle that would have been pretty brutal and obviously it was a battle that had a lot of Participants because the valley was was filled with with corpses and bones verse two he caused me to pass among them round about and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. He said to me, this is God talking here to Elijah son of man, can these bones live?" And I answered, O oh, Lord God, you know. I don't know, God. Why don't you tell me? I, I've, I've had it here. I don't know. My faith has been shaken. What are you going to do? And he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, that you may come alive, and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together. Bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. What a story. If you're like me, you use your imagination, and you're like woo, kind of gross. Skin growing back on there, the flesh, the muscles reappearing and the organs and the you know they're growing back. And finally, God commands, let the breath of life come into these things. And and they're alive. Of course, this was a vision. This isn't something that really happened. It's it's a vision. But what a very uh, graphic vision. And God says to, to Elijah, as he would say to us, can these dry bones live? Now, the nation of Israel had been conquered by the Babylonians. At this time, the leaders, the intellectuals, the artisans, the cream of the crop, they were all dragged off to captivity. The situation seemed so hopeless that a common cry would go up. Our bodies are dried up. Our hope is lost. We're cut off completely. Take, shoot us now. A lot of these people in captivity, would we ever see our homeland again? Are we ever going to go home? Is this ever going to end? Are we ever going to get out of here? Why has God forsaken us? Can these bones live again? You know, think about it in your own life. What are your dry bones? What have you given up on? What's that impossible burden that you've been saddled with? How do you cope with that? What do you do now? Remember my uh, would be my mother in law, Dolores Hart, long ago. was um, 49 when she found out she had cancer, died at forty when she was forty-nine. And I remember when she got cancer when it was confirmed. And uh, you know, I often this was before Neil and I were even were married, and I was like, Oh man, I wonder what that's like to get that kind of news. You know, what do you do? And I remember she prayed and she listened to, uh, I forget, it was, uh, you young guys have to forget, oh, Amy Grant, all All that old lady, (laughs) back then she wasn't so old. Anyways, she listened to this this, uh, tape over and over and over again. She didn't have a cassette player, back in those days we had these things called cassette decks, you put the tape in there and push play, and I gave that to her to listen to. And she wore that thing out listening to these that those tapes and stuff. That's somebody who put her trust in God. And I remember her very vividly saying, you know, if this doesn't work out and something happens, I, I'm praising God. They gave a lot of hope and a lot of strength to her family, to her friends. You know, the first order of business when you're dealing with these dry bones, when you're in a situation that you can't escape, you know, it's to think about Ezekiel, go back to him, God led him through the bones. He didn't say, okay, I'm going to stay here, I want you to go walking through the bones there, you know, kick the shields around, knock them spears over, you know, there's a skull, kick that out of the way. No, he caused me to pass among them round about. Behold, there were many on the surface of the valley, and the bones were very dry. The Spirit of the Lord went with him through the valley, through the bones. But God wanted Ezekiel to go back and forth among the bones. There's no escaping that situation. There are many times things happen to us in life that we want to escape it. Take me now, God! Just take me now, so I don't have to deal with this. But what? We got a big mouse back there, or something. Some, somebody back our room. Anyways, it's the bones. I hear them; they're creaking back there. Anyways, uh, first order of business is to face the situation squarely. What's the reality of which you must deal? This is why I'm convinced when bad things happen to Christians. God is with them. We just had September 11th last week. We think about the towers coming down and, you know, people, where was God in the middle of that? And you've heard me say this before. God was right there with them. Now we can question, God, why this person? Why this day? Why Why this moment? Why this person who... It's so bad inside that they got to jump from however high up they were. I'm convinced that if this was a person who was a, a Christian and maybe even a non believer, I don't know, but I believe God took their hand and they jumped together. We're going through this together all the way. I don't understand, I don't know why these things happen, I don't understand why something like that would ever occur, and how a loving God would allow it to occur, but He does. But I know this, God loves us, God cares for us, He wants what's best for us. I'll never stop believing that. And so in those moments when you're struggling, when you've got issues, when you've got problems, God is with you. He is with you through it, through it all. And at the end, perhaps, he may call those dry bones, come alive. God spoke directly to Ezekiel in verse 4, prophesy to these bones. Say to them, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. You know, God told Ezekiel to do something, just as God tells us to do something. Whatever it is, you can't be a, a spectator, can't be a, you know, somebody just kind of watching. you got to be actively involved with God's word for for it, so that through the power of God's word, those bones came together. It wasn't that Ezekiel walked through the bones and they came back together. It's that he walked through them and he prophesied with the words of the Lord. God's word will hold us together in our times of brokenness. The word of God will bring us together, the events, the resources we need to cope. It's in God's word in us that makes things happen. I went through a time here just recently. Again, passion killer, had too much going on. School was starting up. I'm also a pastor or lay pastor of a church, and I'm only a part-time. I'm not a... I can't imagine the work a full-time minister has to do to keep a church going. But it takes time to write messages and to prepare. I was also trying to coach football. I had a a kid, one of my my own children, who desperately needed me to be dead. What do you do? I mean, something's got to give. So I had to give up some things that I loved deeply. I didn't give up my kid, so I, I kept him. <laughs> so I thought about it. Football, son, fo- <clears throat> it was tough. So, But God's word will hold us together in our times of brokenness. My dad gave me this wristband that uh, Champ- he's part of this group in Champaign County that goes around and they, they just meet people on the street and they pray for them, And if it leads to, you know, talk of salvation, well, then they'll lead him through it. But on this wristband, there are printed, I think there are seven or eight different verses. And they're all color-coded. And the idea is you pick a color, and they got this little testament and it's color coded too and you go right to it and they can kind of lead people to Christ with this little thing well he gave me that and I wore that thing and I, I would sit at, 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 uh, at my lunch and I'd you know, look at these verses and try to see and they're all verses I've read before but it was amazing just how the word of God blessed me it made me come alive it's going to be okay it's going to be all right. I don't have to coach football until I'm, till I am dry bones. You know, nothing left. You know. I can give some things up. It's all right. I can get my priorities lined up again where they need to be. But God's word's going to hold it together. It's interesting. The word here used for breath when. when when he says, "You know, I'm going to breathe breath now into these these bones, these 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 inanimate bodies that have reformed are going to get up and they're going to live," I got to breathe into it. And the word here for breath is uh, the Hebrew word roah, or from roach. I mean, there are different versions of it. It's also the word for spirit. That's where we get the idea of in, in Church of God. You know, the spirit is really this breath of God that, that, that God breathes into all of us, just like these dry bones. What was the last ingredient that he needed? Breathe in the breath of life, and these things will live. And so it really is by the breath of God that we, that we live. And up and they go. You know, this isn't just a resi- <laughs> uh I can never say this word. Dang it, I practice it too. Resuscitation. That's it. This isn't a resuscitation story. God didn't say, okay, run over there and let's get them going. This is God bringing life where there was no life. And so it is with us. The Spirit of God brings us power. It brings us life in Christ Jesus. Jesus. You know, when we're in the Spirit, and the Spirit is in us, but seems impossible, suddenly becomes possible. For it's that power, that energy, that force, God's very power that sees us through difficulties, that the world, that the devil could throw in your way. You know, long, long ago, another prophet spoke as well, a prophet by the name of Isaiah. And Isaiah prophesied and said, no weapon formed against you will prevail. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. No weapon formed against you will prevail. Or as the song goes, no weapon formed against us will prosper. Prosper. Don't fear the man who can kill your body. Fear the one who can put life into that body. Who puts it in. Well, we started off looking at this idea of passion. And I wanted to, you know, just to kind of conclude here today. You know, there are a lot of things that are going to happen to us, through us. But God asks us to go meet it head on. We know in uh, the world of psychology, if you really want to deal with your hang-ups, with your problems, with your whatever, you have to meet it head on. And what the Bible said about spiritual life is true today. The truth will set you free. You have to experience and live in the truth for those dry bones to ever hope to come alive. My prayer for you is if you're going through a situation, and I know some of you are, that you would have faith, that you would ask God, to let these dry bones come alive, Lord. And if they're not going to come alive, at least walk with me through the dry bones together, you and I. Of course, in Ezekiel, God was making a, a promise at the same time. You know, the people of Israel are scattered. You're not much of a nation anymore. But like these, you're going to come alive. That nation will rise again. You will come out of captivity. The day will come. I haven't forgotten about you. I would say the same today. If you're in a a moment of crisis, in a moment of real need, God hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't. And He wants to go with you through whatever it is that you're dealing with. He wants to be there for you. And if it's His will, those dry bones will come alive. But at least I know in my heart that whenever things happen to me, It may not go my way. And that's the lesson I vividly remember Dolores teaching me at a very young age. She didn't say it with words, but by her example. We're going through this. I have cancer. I'm only 49. How unfair. But if God doesn't heal me, if I die, so be it. You don't stop praising the Lord. You don't stop believing because of that. What a powerful, powerful message. Can't believe it. She's been gone almost 30 years and she's still teaching me things. Such a wonderful thing. Let's go through the valley of those dry bones together with the Lord. And I promise you, we'll make it through to the other side and he'll make those dry bones come to life. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. I thank you for this church. I pray, Lord, that in the next few months that you would be with me and, you know, as we prepare for our, our pastor to come, help us to get our house in order, help us to begin to, to think about where we want to go to make ourselves available to Kyle. We pray for him and for, for Jamie. We pray for their marriage coming up. There's a lot of things going to happen in their lives. Help us to be a church that loves them and prays for them and accepts them. Lord, help us to love one another. In the name of Jesus, we give you thanks. Amen.